0: It's Ben Reiser, Director of Operations for the 2021 Wisconsin Film Festival. I'm also the head of the Wisconsin Zone Programming Committee. Uh, And with me today is Johnny Fruit, who's also an awesome member of that Wisconsin Zone Programming Committee team. And we're here with uh, Kristen Peterson. And hopefully you are listening to this because you just watched her amazing narrative feature film, ring alivio and you want to hear more about it and so we're going to ask kristen some questions kristen thanks so much for submitting this film and sharing it with our audiences and and talking to us today hmm. um i'll start us off and then johnny you can jump in with the next question um i uh we showed pet names at the festival i guess two years ago or maybe three years ago 2018 whenever that was we we, so so i was familiar with meredith johnston from that film and her performance and i was also familiar with uh dana shahada and her cinematography uh but i have to say they both went up uh uh, any number of levels in in ring olivio uh wowie I can't believe how beautiful this film looks, uh, and the performances are fantastic. And I I love the sort of I love the tone of the film and the sort of low key dramatic tension. I feel like there's a there's a, there's this almost irresistible temptation with um, indie filmmakers uh, doing narrative features to try to like up up the tension or you know make make it make it dramatic and and thinking that they're not making it melodramatic, but kind of making it melodramatic anyway. And that does not happen in Ring Alivio. So congratulations on all of the above. Uh, But I was hoping you could talk to me about, um, about how you came to work with Meredith and with Dana.
1: Um, I'll start with Dana because um, our relationship had, you know, we'd made um, a music video together and um, we come from, like, the same filmmaking kind of cache <laughs> in um, Milwaukee. So Dana and I got really close um, working on projects together. And we, I had produced a documentary that she shot as well um, right before Ring of Livio. So I had a lot of experience working one-on-one with her and, like, having those long conversations about like method and philosophy of cinematography and and um we also we come from similar backgrounds um midwestern um a lot of like christian um church raisings um so we we just really related on the kind of the um the brooding midwestern girl vibe <laughs> so it was like I knew for sure Dana was going to be the cinematographer and I was lucky that she was available for it and then Meredith Johnson um I didn't know her personally um obviously had seen pet names and like loved it and, and knowing also that she's a writer and she had like a really good hand in um in like zhuzhing the script she gave really good notes um i like i think she was already on board as playing Marissa by that point but even on set there were just moments where both her and Nicole would be like what if we tweaked it this way what if the dialogue started with this character not you know and they were just both and Nicole's also a, a screenwriter and a playwright um so yeah it's just like it was such a delight to get to know her with this project and like really see like she's brilliant like Meredith is a brilliant um mind and she like psychology of humans like she just has a great handle on that obviously if she can play such like diametrically opposed characters and do both of them so well um yeah so that's that's Dana and Meredith I extremely lucky to have him on the team.
2: Yeah. Um, so this is sort of going off of what you said about, I just thought it was interesting how you said you made some like changes on set and you were doing some tweaks, even like while shooting. Um, so I'm just curious because this is your first uh, feature film, correct? Yeah. Um, so can you talk about like maybe the unexpected good things or the unexpected challenges, just how, how, that, how that process was for you, your first time making a feature film?
1: Um, this is a very large question because nothing went as planned and everything went as planned um the like delightful surprises was um well I'll speak to the actors first every the five main actors all of them brought to I would say at least every group scene there was like so much beautiful magic that happens when all five of them are, are visible um and they're just like little moments that they would create wordlessly between each other and then there were moments in dialogue that were just like so perfect like perfect improvisation There's particularly one of the earlier scenes where um, The two women are like on the bunk beds and one is squeezing the hand saying S O S like that was not scripted at all and um, Dana our cinematographer um, She's I would say she's very Zen She goes with the flow, and I think that has a lot to do with her documentary background as well. And also, she is a narrative filmmaker in her own right. She knew where the camera should look and to never cut. Because, like, these actors are, like, magical with how, like, they embodied each character, and they just knew what each character was going to do. And a lot of the scenes that you see, a lot of the longer scenes that you see, Um, the like tail end of them, that's improv um, that we kept in. I kind of,
0: I want to jump in to ask you about what I think is the same scene that you were just describing with the SOS. There's the scene when they first go up to find the bedroom that they're going to be staying in and find the bunk beds. When I watched it again this week, I took note of how many different setups there are in that scene. It looks amazingly well covered. I mean, there's like, it feels like there's like seven different shots that you're cutting between. And it almost made me wonder like, whoa, was this... Were you storyboarding this down to the to the to the, you know, to each moment, because every every one of those moments is captured in really fun and unique ways. There's one shot that's through the doorway and you're just sort of seeing their feet hang off the bed and that's perfect. But like. But yeah talk to me about the prep work i I mean i can't get over how beautiful this film looks and the cinematography and i know that you're a poet and i feel like the poetry of this film is is a lot of it is in how it looks and i'm just fascinated to sort of hear um about how you how you and dana came up with that look and what you did to create that look and and i love hearing about how that look is ultimately achieved, even in post production, because I know so much happens these days with a color grading and i'm I'm curious as to what those images looked like sort of right out of the camera as opposed to how they look like when we watch it now um, and and like what your reaction to those finished images was when you first started seeing them
1: so prep work um yeah, everything was storyboarded. I had stayed at that farmhouse as an Airbnb actually near Madison. Um probably 2 years before I even like started showing the script to anyone. Um so I was really aware of it and I didn't even know if the Airbnb would let us shoot there and thank you please yes that was amazing. Um so I had already had everything in mind and while I was writing it I knew where certain scenes were going to take place except for some of the game scenes that was kind of on the fly but the storyboards you know still worked with the landscape and stuff. So that was great. But there were also like, I would say particularly the kitchen scenes, Um, like the, the scenes with all five characters in it. um, We did have to like, like the morning of um, like we, we did this thing where we created a map of the space that we were going to be filming in. And then um, Jane and I would walk around with the camera and make sure that because we did not have enough time. We did not have enough daylight. Sometimes we we mostly lit every day, daytime scene anyway. But we just created a map. Like, this is where the camera is. It's going to be going up and then shooting this way or, you know. So that's, it was a combination of, like, so much prep work um, with Dana as well. And then there, we just had to scrap. All, like, I would say I had half of the shots per scene had to be cut. Um, and that's when we had to get in and be like, okay, we need coverage. Make sure we see everyone at least. That's where we start, you know. It was yeah, it was a combination of prepared just as all filmmaking is. Um, yeah, going with the flow and being as prepared as you can. The next question was um cinematography. The yeah. yeah. The um, look
0: of the film. Yeah. Those
1: were it it began more um, Dan and I talking about like what movies we love. And the tone of like, it was, it was very much, we approached it as like designers. Um, what were those films?
0: What were those? It's oh, gonna be hard to find. What were those inspirations? Um, in
1: my head right now. Cause that was like three years okay. ago. Um, <laughs> that's okay. No, I mean, another <laughs> that's thing that's is okay. like, I'm not going to do justice for uh, Dana's perspective because she, she has her, like her favorite cinematographers who are working currently. Um, and like, there's terms that I can't remember now, but she she really she approached it with like, I, I want to do what this TV show did with how they lit naturally through windows, and I forgot the name of that now. And I was like, okay, that works, that's perfect, because I want it to feel dusty and like so I had like you said, like the poetic kind of way of um talking about it. And then she would in real time translate it for me and then we could research Oh yeah, that is what I mean. Thank you. Oh, like, you, you have the, the conic words, the, the lens language for that. Um, and I, I would say words like, the scene has to feel like there's so much dread in it, but they're still happy to be there. And then, she, again, she would translate it. Um, the next part of that question, I think, was Coloring.
0: Yeah, like how different the final images look from what you were seeing as, I guess, I guess they still call them rushes and things like that. Like, is it like, are we seeing what she was able to achieve on set or is there a fair amount of?
1: So we worked with the colorist. She had moved to L.A. um, So we weren't able to be in the same room with the colorist. But Hmm. he kept saying like, like everything's so balanced and, and one shot to the next is like, I like. And that does not happen now that people know they can fix things in post. So, yes, she, yeah. you know, her Virgo sun is showing with her perfectionism and um, attention to detail. Um, but what has been changed was there was a lot of, like, purples and light blues and pinks. Um, not necessarily, like, juxtaposed onto it, but um, brought up. Especially the evening scenes, we made the the blacks, like, a purple in, in one of the scenes or like a bluey like a really deep blue um we yeah, we brought up a lot of the the blacks and so we you know brought the the whites into creams and the blacks up into the like still dark shadowy, but more in a color, like a blue or a purple um that was a an amazing process to see what the possibilities were, and we mm-hmm. particularly chose like photographs from the sixties and, and films from like print films um, as examples for that. Again, the exact films are like eluding me right now. I I'm going
0: to, I want to give it back to Johnny, but it's one, I'm, this is the last question I'm going to ask about lighting and cinematography and stuff, but I just, you know, my, I'm sort of just overwhelmed every time I see this film. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I've seen a better looking film at the Wisconsin film festival <laughs> for the past 10 years. But the um there, I, I wonder how much, how much of the sort of practical lighting and stuff was sort of, Hey, this, we arrived and this is what it was. And we took advantage of it. And how much of it was like, okay, we're bringing these things. Cause we know we want it to look this way in the sun. The thing that comes to mind most is the amazingly fuchsia light that's coming from that fish tank in their bedroom. Was that something that Dana was like, we're going to make this thing fuchsia or did it just did it was, was, did there happen to be a fuchsia?
1: That fish was, tank in that um, That started with me. I wanted the, that color um, just screams to me as, like, nostalgic, but, like, a very masculine femininity. And that was really important for me. Um, And it it was difficult to find places to incorporate it. So Dan and I talked with um, our, um, oh, my God, production designer, Deanna Nunez, and we're like, can we do this here? And she found like a bunch of products that we could test out. And we did go up to the farmhouse to test out that pink light. And then Dana was making sure like, but we, and then in coloring, we did also intensify it as well. Um, There's not many, there's not as many instances of that fuchsia or like the, the really light pink as I would like in the film, but that color does not exist naturally very often. (laughs) Right. 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 So yeah the, the question about practical or practical lights um,
0: I'm also thinking I'm thinking of I, the, where the, they're like almost like those, those those white Christmas lights that are wrapped around the poles um, you know was that also set dressing or something that sort of came with the place
1: I because remember beautiful. we added Christmas lights but there may have been some there which probably informed us getting more to to bring it up. Um, yeah, it's hard to remember like what the reality of the place was because I had written it in knowing what it was like. Um, like, for example, there's like a, a gay rights flag hanging on the house, and we didn't know that was there. And it wasn't there when I stayed two years prior, so we just didn't take it down.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. I did have a question earlier that I was thinking about um, how much improvisation there was, but you sort of already um, talked about that a little bit. But I want to know... Kind of just about, um, mostly about the three brothers, those characters, they just have such, like, fun, strong, unique personalities and stuff. And um, I definitely got the sense that there was some improv going on just in those great scenes where everybody's together and sort of being themselves. Um, So I just wanted to know, like, if those those characters sort of came out the way you had originally planned them, or if you let them sort of do their own thing and find those characters on set and, like, through improvisation, or, yeah, just how, how those characters all came out.
1: That's a difficult question to answer because each of those actors approached their character so differently. Um but but I would say I was very flexible and they were so good at being um forthright with ideas and running it by me. And usually my answer would be like so they would give me a really great idea for a scene they want their um that brother character to be doing this whatever they they felt like really embodied that character, they would pose it to me and I would say, I like it, but can we make sure that you do this element of it? Or can we make sure that you're, um, you're still focusing on Marissa? You're Like you're facing her because all of the brothers are constantly worried, thinking, obsessed with their sister. Um, that's like, that was the... The theme for all of how they approached their brothers. The script um, was pretty clear about how different they were, and then working with them before we, you know, went into rehearsal and talking about the characters one on one. I'd sent them like a, a document with their personality types, their astrological signs, their occupation, and like what's on their mind, and. You, you have no concept of what the oldest brother's, like, personal life is, but the actor did. Um, he was aware that he was in a relationship with a single mother across town, and that that was a really great way to jump off, especially for the actor Josh Koopman, because um, he had so many questions, like, well, I just feel like she would be here, and I'm like, she's not. Why isn't she here? You know, like, that kind of thing, and then we'd have a great conversation, and it would actually show up on camera in a certain way. I will say, specifically about Ozzy, I had intended that character to be a little more um, caustic, a little less funny and like jolly, but the more that I saw, and like, thankfully we did a few scenes where it wasn't necessarily important that he was nefarious, caustic, or jolly, Um, but the more that I saw him On camera like really living in this character the more I could see how much it was just so much more textured that he had the jolly face up front but he he was not welcoming at all to Ada so yeah working with all three of them was amazing Um, and they did they did a great job of of giving like a real life to a side character and, then, and working as like a three-headed monster as well, while being so separate from each other.
2: Actually, uh, just going off that then, because it's, it's just really cool to hear how much background you put into characters, because I know that's something a lot of filmmakers just have different opinions on, is how much to get into that kind of stuff that we don't see on the screen. Um, just a little more specific of a question, but I can probably count on one hand the number of main characters in films I've seen that are entomologists or interested in entomology and bugs. I just thought that was a cool I personally am terrified and creeped out by bugs and so I just thought it's like unique touch to put on a character and just add characterization and the way that it comes up later um and sort of bringing them together a little bit so I just I guess I was just curious like how that sort of specific aspect of her character came to be and um if it was ever going to be anything else or if that was something you kind of thought of earlier on or yeah just how that came up
1: to be. Again, it's really hard to remember the genesis of certain ideas. Um, in the process of writing the script, that was like the last thing that was added. I, um, it's really important to me to make characters feel so lived in, um, like they're actual people. And that's, that's how I approach the story too, is like, this is a reality where we're getting to spend time with these people over a weekend. And then all, all of the things that occur when you, when you get to know people and the things that you notice, um, and I'm not sure where the bug idea came from, but I was writing the monologue at the, near the end where she's talking about, um, going abroad, um, alone and feeling like so deeply alone. And like, that is, that's like, that's my experience, but I hate bugs So if I went abroad alone, how can I make that more visually or more symbolically interesting? Um, And then I think I was thinking about how she treats Marissa as like a thing, an object. And I I know she cares about her. Um, So then I was thinking about like enthusiasts and um, how sometimes certain enthusiasts just like confuse me. And I was like, what is something someone can be enthusiastic about on a farm (laughs) and I think that's maybe where it came from. And like, I just, I do not understand bug enthusiasts. I currently do because I went through the process of taking care of this praying mantis for like a month with um, our production designer who also took care of him. Um, And then, and then it just really snapped in place realizing that when people collect bugs, they put them in an environment that those bugs don't thrive in. And that's how I was seeing their relationship, Ada and Marissa's is, Ada had this idea of who Marissa was and had encapsulated her, but then like eliminated the potential of Mar- Marissa being, or er, evolving over time. Um, So it's just like, it just felt so, it felt congruent to what I was trying to say. Another element is when they're in the radio station, I also knew that place existed because it's in my hometown. Um, that felt like, I, uh, what's it called? The biome or diorama. And that felt like they were all the brothers or two of the brothers and Ada were putting Marissa in this radio booth. And, and Ozzy is like verbally, violently, in a way, asking her to talk about something she doesn't want to talk about. So it just it just felt like everything was kind of Fitting in together. Now I really do appreciate bugs. I have the bug container or the, you know, the, the pinned bug, on my uh, living room wall, and I would not have done that.
0: I realize we haven't actually asked you about what your inspiration for this film was in, in the first place, and I'm kind of wondering what was the spark and how maybe autobiographical it is, you know, it's sort of typical, I would think for, for first time filmmakers writing a narrative feature to be drawing on their own lives as maybe as much as possible and maybe sometimes not. So I'm just kind of interested in that.
1: The spark was the first scene. I just saw it in my head. Um, It was, I don't know if the characters were there yet, but it was driving up north and it was rainy, although in the movie it's not rainy and someone's driving and I knew that they were in a relationship. And the person who's in the passenger seat was looking out the window kind of longingly. And the first thing you see is tears coming out. And you're like, oh, okay, this movie is going to be... Ugh. And then um, the person's like, oh, are you okay? Like, Are you okay? Oh, oh, oh. And the, per- the, the person who's crying turns around and's like, gotcha. Um, because I just... And it, it just like it felt so vivid to me, even if I didn't know who the characters were yet. Of how, like, disconcerting and, like, it just felt like a signal for a very unhealthy relationship to, like, trick someone to, like, worry about, like, I don't know if you've started crying in a car. Like, it's usually something big. So, like, the person deciding to, like, have fun with, with with toying with someone's emotions, like, that so that was the beginning. And then I was playing around with the idea, which I guess transfers, but not as, um not as clearly, is I was thinking about how in rural Wisconsin or Wisconsin in general, um, there's just so many ways to make a living. Um, and in, in some ways, it feels like you're letting go of dreams in order to make a living, and then you get to age whatever. Put a number. I don't care what the number is. And you just you think back on what you could have done. So my idea was to have, like, maybe middle-aged people and then they're like 30-40s younger friends all coming together for a weekend and kind of just like negotiating where their lives are going and like definitely it's like too high up in the sky of an idea so over time it had come down to like okay let's make it siblings let's make it like siblings from a troubled past and then let's put the newcomer in and it's going to be so uncomfortable. <laughs> So yeah, it morphed a lot over time, and actually, the brother, the, the brothers and the sister were foster children, and I cut that out because I thought two things: it was more interesting to see the difference between the biology and the way that they're raised, um, and I also like I don't have experience with foster children, so I just I didn't feel like that was my story.
0: Yeah, but but so but but there are autobiographical elements that you're bringing in. Like how, how much, how much of this do you, do you relate to from your own life?
1: No, I mean, it's a very complicated, um, answer because each character, everything that they bring to it is my story. Like I even see myself in each brother, Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. like at at one point in my life, I was each character, um, Mm -hmm. and probably Mm -hmm. at those points in life, I felt most troubled about how these characters are acting. Um, and like, I mean, I, I wrote it with my now husband, um, kind of around the time I was meeting his family, but they're really good people. So if you're watching this, like the brothers, aren't you? And he has three brothers. So that's one element. Um, but what is true, the truest true is this is, this is the time, this is based around the time of my life when I was 18, 19. And I felt like so truly separated from other people. And that's where Ada comes in. I I was friends with this group of brothers, actually, and their friends um, who just kind of treated me like I was a castaway. But I was still just hanging on to the friend group um, because I didn't have any other friends or whatever it was. And I just, I, I still have this like sense that I could have been more authentic in that moment and just then said, no, like you guys aren't nice to me. This is not interesting to me and move on. I eventually did, but so that's where like the the pit in the stomach that the poetry I guess is coming from. And that's, that's what I drew from in the story.
0: Okay. I've got two more at the top of my head and maybe that'll take us through. Um, I wanted to ask about a scene that I find one of the most interesting scenes in the film and one that stands apart from most of the film in its, in its tone, I guess. And in its ambiguity and, and in a weird way, it's poetry. And this is when they go into town and Ada's in her pajamas and she won't go out of the car because she's in her pajamas and it's raining. Um, And then that guy (laughs) comes over to the car and is trying to get her attention and she will not engage with him. It seems like a really interesting character moment for her. Uh, But I don't quite know how to read the situation and her reaction to the situation. Uh, Can you talk about it a little bit?
1: Yeah. um, That's interesting that you bring that scene up Um, in that it's, it's, it is one of the quietest moments. It's also the, probably mm-hmm. the only time that you see Ada, like, alone for that long. Um, mm-hmm. But just, I, I have to say, because it, it keeps popping up in my head, the the man, the, pl- the person who plays that man is the executive director of the Bloight International Film Festival. Um, and it's just like...
0: <laughs> I would avoid him at all costs, too,
1: yeah. <laughs> like his voice is so no, not, not really
0: i'm not really kidding um, <laughs>
1: yeah. um just an interesting cameo um i wanted to show that it wasn't just the brothers that was like invading her comfortability her comfort um that this is how she exists in the world is like she also like raps on the car like really hard so it's jarring um and her her mm-hmm. response is to freeze And and that's like, that's one of the four trauma responses too, which is interesting for me. I wanted to show without it being a violent act, like how someone can um, react to to something that is alerting. And that's how she treats a lot of her experiences with the brothers too, is like the brother takes a shower when she's on the toilet and she freezes. Um, So it was important to show like, no, it's not, just these brothers it's not just her like anxiety of meeting her girlfriend's family it's that's how she exists in the world and also I think I hope it shows that she's only really comfortable with bugs that she can hold in her hand um there's just this this I think disconnect from from humanity for the character of Ada I hope after this this story that she sees that for herself and she she grows she actually looks for true connection.
0: It's great. It's a great scene. Um,
1: I guess let's talk about,
0: um, I mean, we can wind up with this, the the title of the film and the game Ringolivio, which I was sort of like a little bit like, haha, like kind of proud of after we all watched it and started talking about it was I was the only one who seemed familiar <laughs> or, or even knew, remembered how to pronounce the name. And, um, and but then watching watching it again recently, I was like, yeah, yeah, I I know this game, I know the name of this game. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and it was something that was played all the time with a bunch with a with a bunch of other kind of street games. We used to have this weird game called Skelly, where you'd like put wax into like a a plastic milk container cap and then draw it with chalk like a like a game board in the middle of the street and you'd shoot these little milk caps into different squares on this board. Um, but then I realized and I think it's actually true that even as a kid Ring Ringolivio is something I never really understood how to play. I didn't really understand the rules and I still don't really understand the rules. So I'd love to hear uh, the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how you came up with the idea of naming the film after this game and what it means in terms of the, you know, I guess the, the theme of the film.
1: This is a great question. Um, I will say Ringo Livio as it's played in the movie is completely incorrect. What I wanted to convey with that is that (laughs) these kids who at one point or another, one of them was living with their aunt or grandma or whatever character in Brooklyn for a summer, then the other one would go the next summer and they would come back and like, try to remember what the rules were. And it would just, Mm. you know, like the game of telephone, Um, which is just like my experience with kids games growing up. And I felt like that was, even if you can't pick up on it, like that was an interesting um, thing to put in a movie. Um,
0: I love that. Yeah.
1: So I also like, it was important to, to play a game that like, wasn't from where they're from. Um, to show that like how how split up they are. And maybe that's just something for someone who's from Brooklyn to know like, oh, they played in Wisconsin? I don't think they do, you know? Um, and then, so I did more research into it and there's, there's so many articles about it. But there was one article that said yeah. it means, and I'm gonna say this wrong. It means to capture or to save someone. And either way, if it means to save someone or to capture someone, like that's what these two, well, this is what Ada is doing to Marissa. Um, and also what, the, what Marissa knows as a, like a close relationship. She knows by the way that her brothers raised her that to be loved is to be held or captured um so that was the symbolism for it for me um I don't know if I answered the whole oh why did I name the movie Ringing
0: well I think you just said that but yeah go ahead not much I
1: I just like that was like the working title um I really didn't want to name the movie after the game they play and also like they verbalized the word but it just it stayed and I'm a little concerned that people might oh. think it's a foreign language film, but that's fine. Uh,
0: the other part of the question that I don't think you did answer, and it's fine if you don't, is what are the rules of Ring Um Wikipedia
1: will tell you.
0: How do you play that game? <laughs>
1: Wikipedia, Wikipedia will tell you. Will tell you. Um, oh, the okay. way that we yeah. depict it, it's more like capture the flag, but I've actually never played it myself. I've only tried to watch videos and try to like ascertain through the internet.
0: Oh, I, uh, yeah. Listen, you know, in the, it, in the summer, you know, in the summer in Brooklyn, you're on the streets, the hard streets of Brooklyn. Like you want the most complicated game. you want a game. that will take you all day long to play. So
1: another one element <laughs> that I used go. in like the, the pitch documents was the only reason you can pause the game is if you're going to school, church or sleep, only yeah. reasons you can pause yeah. the yeah. game.
0: Wow! So like, so games would pause. Games would last more than yes. a day.
1: Often, intense. weeks.
0: Wow! See that I didn't know, and I feel like maybe I never actually. I I th- my and this is just a totally vague memory. I think I feel like it was a it was a game that that the kids I knew who went to Catholic school mm-hmm. played. Like that, us public school kids didn't really play or even know how to play it but like oh the Catholic school kids are playing Ringolibio down the street Um, uh, hey I wanted to ask you just one other question that really doesn't have anything to do with the movie but uh, I was reading in your um, sort of bio that that this book of poetry that you wrote was published by this press called was it Vegetarian Mm -hmm. Alcoholic which I thought is like this is the best name of a book publisher I've ever heard uh, yeah. What's what do you know anything about the story behind that name?
1: Um, I could guess, but I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> OK, yeah. probably you mm. don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kristen, congratulations. I th- this is an amazingly assured uh, feature film debut. Uh, oh, I guess we should ask what's what's up. What's next for you? What do you got going on?
1: Um, yeah, I can say it. Um. I, uh, I was accepted into an MFA poetry program in Spokane. So that's the next two years. But I have... Wow. Um, yeah, I have a couple of screenplays. I just don't know when I'm going to, you know, hit go with them. So it might be when I move back to Milwaukee in two years.
0: What's, what's happening with Ring Ringolivio? Uh, where are we in its journey?
1: I mean, the pandemic has shifted every plan we tried to make, um, you know, every month we have to keep changing that. Um, We are currently talking to distributors and I think we should have good news about where it will be up, but it was a very short festival run and that's just the reality of it. We haven't had a physical screening yet. So hopefully we can do that this summer. We just have to be safe about it um, because it would be great to get people's reactions in real time.
0: Well, and also it'd be tragic if this film doesn't show on a big screen somewhere, it's so beautiful.
1: Thank you for that, I agree. Um, I, I was able to watch it um, at the Oriental uh, Theater in Milwaukee um, just as like a sound test and just with you know one mm-hmm. other person. So, and it was magical, like it, the sound design is great. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the in-person screening.
0: Well, thanks so much for sharing the film with us and spending some
1: time. Thank you. Great questions. I really appreciate it.